and happy Tuesday, my friends. I'm Emily San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you to a Cisco Champion Unfiltered episode, a Cisco Champion radio spinoff series that gives our champions a platform to have casual conversations around a variety of topics focused on technology, career, and other interesting stuff. Don't forget, if you like our podcast, subscribe wherever you're listening to us to receive alerts on our latest releases. All right. So today we are going to be discussing why an organization should move from spanning tree to VXLAN. Our champions will discuss the history of each technology, the pros and cons, differences and similarities, and ultimately they will share their thoughts and experiences. So stick with us for the next half hour or so and maybe gain some helpful insights, maybe. <laughs> All right, let's get started with introductions. Dan, I'm gonna start with you. Hi, I'm Dan Kelcher. I am a solutions architect with IP Fabric. You can find me on Twitter at Ipswich. All righty, Gerard, tell us about yourself. What's going on, everyone? Great to be back. I'm Gerard Cavallinas. I'm a network engineer for Helion Systems, and I'm also the founder of Tech House 570. You can find me on Twitter at G Cavallinas and on LinkedIn, Gerard Cavallinas. Gian, who are you? Hey everyone, my name is Jianzo. I'm a principal network architect with uh, PK Technology. We are a Cisco reseller. Uh, I'm leading our uh, network and the cybersecurity practice, and uh, it's good to be here. Nice to have you. Ryan, welcome. Can you Hi. tell us what you do? Yeah, uh, I'm Ryan Harris. Uh, I'm a network engineer for NetCraftsman, and uh, I, you can find me at Bridges Root on Twitter and uh, blog at thisbridgeistheroot.com. Liam, last but not least, who are you? Hello, uh, thanks for having me again. Uh, my name's Liam Keegan. I run the US operations for 24-7 Networks Rio Bravo. Uh, my background's technical, so I'm a longtime CCIE. Uh, but I, uh, I, I sort of, this, this topic is near and dear to my heart because anything that we can do to get rid of spanning tree, which should be dubbed the, the thing that gets people out of bed at 3 a.m. on a Tuesday, uh, need, needs to be eradicated. So I'm, uh, thanks, okay. thanks everybody for, for joining us for this. This is awesome. All right. Well, Liam, I'm, I'm actually going to ask you to help us set up the conversation. Give us a little bit, a little bit of background. What were your thoughts around this topic? Yeah, no, thank you so much. So uh, really, I think that anybody that's been in, in the networking business for more than 20 minutes has, has probably had to troubleshoot some sort of spanning tree problem, right? And, and, and what does that mean? Well, somebody that plugged something in that shouldn't have, or somebody that, you know, took a patch cable and plugged from one port into another and, and, and I mean, in order to in, in, ensure a loop-free topology, that's what spanning tree is supposed to do is prevent that and take those ports and put them in blocking mode. And that's great until it, it doesn't work. And I mean, that's not, that's not talking smack. It's just sort of a known fact and that it's always in this reactive mode, right? And so when, when, when the powers that be and in the, in the great networking leadership forum sort of started coming up with, with new ideas, Right there, you know, VXLAN was one of these things that that really was the product of trying to improve on the legacy spanning tree design. Right, and so what does VXLAN do? Well, the virtual extensible LAN says, "All right, we're not just going to have one big flat layer two network, right? Where then we plug in VLANs and people plug into that." So what VXLAN does is it says, "Okay, let's set up." our switch to switch connectivity with something that is tried and true, right? And super scalable and super reliable. And that is routed IP connectivity, 
right? So we have routed links between all of our switches, let's, let's just say in our campus environment. Uh, and then on that, what we're gonna do, so that we call that the underlay network. So we set up an underlay network. So layer three, totally reliable, routed links, multiple paths, right? Using BGP, or, you know, like very, very simple, very, very reliable. And then on top of that, what we're gonna do is we're gonna create overlay networks. So what do the overlay networks do is, well, they just, that's where we actually put our traffic on, right? And so the overlay basically rides the underlay. And so when I've got one, one port on one switch and one port on another, it's not just a VLAN that's being trunked, it's actually going from the overlay across the underlay, right? And so we get this, this big scalable, you know, just sort of generally more reliable environment that is not uh, not tied to, to, to spanning tree protocols. And so, so just maybe like opening it up for, for everybody here is, is, oh, and the, and the reason, by the way, that, that I really want to talk to this is like the number one selling product from Cisco is the catalyst 92, 9,300 lines, right? Everybody's buying catalyst. All of those switches support VXLAN. So traditionally a switch was a switch and a router was a router. Right, I think that VXLAN is the one sort of hidden gold mine that that people are purchasing, but they don't even know how they that they have it or how to take advantage of it. So, just sort of opening it up to the champs real quick. Um, anybody, anybody seen anybody, heard anybody doing making that transition from spanning tree to VXLAN? Um, I don't. Anybody care yes. to share? Yeah, Dan, go. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of like you said. It's become a lot more common now that. A lot of campus switches are going to support the um, VXLAN functionality. It's It's been present from a data center standpoint for a while now. And then there's been things like OTV, which are very similar, but OTV was a, a Cisco proprietary thing from a data center standpoint. We, I mean, even prior to that, we had like layer two VPN tunnels as kind of this idea, but now it's taking that and almost doing that on a, a per port to, to oversimplify, but a per port dynamic basis instead of trying to, you know, pin up a tunnel for everything. But yeah, the, the concepts have been around for a while. It's starting to become more and more common. And I think one of the things that you kind of touched on maybe um, with, with it, a lot of the different technology that's coming out. So the, the cat nine K's um, and then on the data center, the, the Nexus stuff, when we start looking at some of the like ACI SDA, those types of platforms, Usually the kind of the back end behind those is running VXLAN. So a lot of times people might be using VXLAN without necessarily realizing that they're using VXLAN. And so, so, so talking about that a little bit more. So, so there are two, I mean, VXLAN is VXLAN. It's an industry standard it is not proprietary. Correct. Right. So, so where do we see that? Like you mentioned in the, in the campus LAN as well as in the data center. Right? Is is that sort of the same flavor of SD WAN, or I'm sorry, uh, of 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 VXLAN? Is is that is it the same technology, or how how is it different, or is it? <laughs> Essentially, the it's the same because it's an open standard. It's the same technology. It's the same. You're still configuring the same thing. There might be some variations in how you're configuring it, but it, yeah, it's it's standard config the same way that if you ran. A routing protocol. I mean, VXLAN. You're going to run an, another routing protocol with it. So BGP being the most common. Same idea. You can run BGP in a campus. You can run it in a data center. The way that you run it, the way that you tweak it, might be different. But 
overall standard protocol that that can be used more or less anywhere. So um, I'll say that uh, between the the enterprise LAN and the data center, one of the big differences uh, is how that management is actually occurring, right? So um, Dan was touching on it, right? So in ACI, you've got uh, uh, EVPN, right? So is is going to have BGP as its management, but you don't necessarily have to use that. It's just a little more efficient, right? You can do uh, ingress replication where um, VXLAN to VXLAN uh, endpoint or a VTEP, right, is uh, is just copied, uh, you know, a hundred times to however many uh, VXLAN endpoints you have. Then you have multicast, you have uh, BGP, which kind of builds the EVPN format. And then in the SD access world, um, using a, a technology called Lisp um, as its management. So that's just um, different ways to to scale up and, and be a little more efficient. So so can we, maybe we could just take a minute and talk about that, because I think it's like it's super important because I think that really illustrates the difference, that scalability that 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 VXLAN is trying to solve over something like spanning tree. Right. So let's just maybe all right. So I know how a VLAN works, right? I plug a PC or my laptop or whatever into a into a port on a switch, right? And my MAC address floods or when when something's looking to, you know, we have ARP, right? Well, if if I have, you know, and 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 from a from a broadcast domain, you know, it's probably not best practice to have that broadcast domain and, and that broadcast traffic going over five billion switches, right? Well, how does VXLAN change that game? Like, what does VXLAN do to like solve that problem? Yeah, I want to uh, chime in for this one, right? So uh, basically, when we do, when we're using the VLAN spanning tree in a large layer two environment, right? The issue that we have is a very large broadcast domain, and the uh, spanning tree is blocking the uh, loop, right? And uh, by doing VXLAN, we're actually using a pure layer three in the underlay. Right. So when we talk about the underlay, right, the uh, leave and spine, so they are purely layer three connection point to point with the IP address on each side. Right. So that's the underlay that we're building. So with this underlay, think about this, we will be able to utilize all the great feature with the uh, routing, right, layer three routing, either like even like static, static routing will work, right? Any routing protocol that we prefer. So with this uh, layer three routing be the underlay, we have a lot of benefits such as uh, ECMP, right? And uh, all the other things and the convergence as well, right? So, and uh, on top of this uh, underlay, there is the overlay, right? With the overlay, we'll be able to achieve a layer two extension across layer three boundaries, right? That's actually what we achieved with uh, VXLAN in my thought. Yeah, and just if I could chime in real quick on that, like looking at it historically, just from like traditional switching, one thing I've always mentioned is, or we're, we're aware of is normally a device or switch can have up to about 4,000 usable set VLANs, right? With VXLAN, it doesn't face that limitation. It focuses more on what's called like VNI. There's over about 60 million of them, and it gives it an opportunity to go ahead, assign that specific ID, to a to a client to whatever you know device across the network and it's nice because again it's taking as you all have stated you know the overlay and the underlay and a lot of those newer technologies and, and existing technologies and kind of building upon that and so so you mentioned v and i right and 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 i think i mean dan dan just commented that you know we need an acronym glossary right because there are a ton you know there are a ton of acronyms that that sort of explain how this how this technology works can can you explain what what a what a vni is 
So pretty much a VNI, I don't know the exact for like the, the term like VNI. Normally I'm good with my acronyms, but it's pretty much, it's an identifier. It's the equivalent of what a VLAN ID is on a traditional network switch. So that's just a VXLAN's way. It's a VXLAN identifier. So it's the way when you have that MAC address or that IP address, it goes ahead. That's whatever's assigned on your network per for that device. That's the terminology that's pretty much, VNI is what VLAN ID is to us on a regular network, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, we can consider it as a segment, right? Yes. So each VLAN is a segment, each VLAN is a segment because the, uh, the VLAN field in our IP packet only have a uh, 12 bits, right? 12 bits, it's a uh, 4,000 yeah. available space, right? But for the uh, VNI, we actually have 24 bits, right? 24 bits, which give us six, 16 million, right? Which is a lot more, uh, uh segments, right? And it's, uh, that's why it makes the uh, solution uh, more scalable. I would so, say going from 4,000 to 16 million is that, that's a, you know, that, that's important. I mean, that, that gives you, you know, deal. a couple, couple extra V, uh, you know, virtual <laughs> networks to one or two put your Xbox so, on. That VNI <laughs> is important in, in, in a transition to, um, a VXLAN network, because if you think about it in a traditional switched, uh, spanning tree environment, the VLAN identifier is globally significant, right? So every switch has to be configured to the same VLAN to pass that traffic. Um, in a VXLAN, now that VNI is is globally significant and the VLAN ID is now uh, just locally significant, right? So you could, in theory, or you may not wanna do this, but in theory, you could have VLAN 10 on one switch and that maps over to VLAN 20 on another switch, right? And they have the same VNI, so. So and that's how we enable multi-tenancy, right? So so maybe let's let's like, paint the picture for people listening of like, let, let, maybe just come up with a sort of a customer use case, right? So let's say we've got a mid-sized bank, right? That has, I don't know, 10, a 10 story building with some network switches, right? And they just bought a whole bunch of Catalyst 93, 9400s, right? So truck shows up, switches get dropped off. They're replacing their 4500s. You know, the, the, the workhorses have been working for years in, in just sort of the standard core distribution and access topology. Right. So for this, for this financial institution, what are some of the advantages that like VXLAN would, would sort of inherently allow them to, to, to do Ryan, please. Yeah. So, um, so going back to the scalability, right. So, uh, you have a data center, right. And, um, uh, if you've got an environment that you've got, you know, VLAN 10 has to be on a hundred different switches in your data center, right? So that is, uh, every time something ARPs on VLAN 10, that is gonna be sent out to every switch. It's gonna be in the TCAM table of every switch on, in your data center, right? Um, you get to a certain size and now that becomes a real problem. Um, with VXLAN, because really your, your individual access switch only needs to know about, you know, where its own traffic is and where the traffic that its actual hosts are talking to, right? It really, really reduces that TCAM. So kind of from, from a bank's perspective, you can get scalable with actually cheaper hardware. So, so the, the general rule of thumb is like, well, you know, one, one slash 24 per floor or per access, switch, or no more than 250 clients ish on a, on a, on a network that changes with VXLAN. Absolutely. So you can, um, uh, Dan doesn't look convinced. You can, you can. Uh, so it, this is kind of the way uh, some some technologies are working, right? Is where if you're kind of reducing that broadcast um, and, and unknown unicast traffic, 
down and making it a little little smarter than a just a flood and learn type situation um that reduces the amount of uh the amount of network traffic that your clients are are going to see and that's just kind of that's really the the barrier for scaling is eventually if you get enough clients on a network that broadcast traffic is going to overwhelm the unicast traffic so and that's that's where this gets kind of interesting is that it it changes a lot of kind of the paradigms of of traditional network design so you can do a lot of things in ways that you wouldn't previously because uh, like ryan was saying like we don't have the same kind of limitations whether or not like there's there's still some potential advantages to using like that same slash 24 per floor less at, at this point though it becomes less of a I need to do this because of a broadcast limitation, and it might still make sense to do it from just an addressing. I know that if it's 10.10.10, that third octet, that means it's the 10th floor. If it's 10.10.9, it's the ninth floor. So there's still some, some you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean let's just put everything to 10.0 slash 8 and make one big network. But it's, we can now start to look at this less of a, we need to make a design, design decision based on that TCAM sizing and more based on what makes sense for, for the organization. And, and I, I think that's like a super important call out that you made is like, like what, what's happened is, is like, I think with VXLAN and these like subnet designs and subnet sizing is that those technical limitations have been removed. You can still have the, 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 the non-technical side of it. Like, you know, Hey, I want to put all my, for instance, uh, IP cameras on a, uh, you know, different, different overlay. Right. But you, you, you're not limited by the technology, by the underlying technology say, Hey, don't put more than 255, uh, you know, devices on something. A, a good use case that I've seen is, you know, a lot of time when, so when you get into these like routed access or routed floors where every floor is a subnet, it's like, well, then you've got this like roaming problem with wireless, right? Assuming you're not backhauling all your wireless. So, you know, in this case with VXLAN, you can take your access points, plug them all into the same 10 dot, you know, slash eight network in your entire campus, right? And then everybody can just sort of roam. I mean, assuming you're not using anything else to handle the roaming side of it, right? But like, like that's something where it's like, there's no real drawbacks to doing that other than you may not know, you know, sort of intuitively which which floor something or someone is on, right? So, so John, you mentioned something earlier about multi-tendency, right? And so like, I, I've got this like personal sort of belief now that like, you know, usually everybody hears about multi-tenancy. It's like, well, I'm a service provider. I need to do multi-tenancy. Like, I, I think that like everybody is a service provider in some way, right? Everybody needs to do macro segmentation. Like I got stuff that I need to keep off of my production network. So how would, how would in this case, like a, a VXLAN, like campus design allow, you know, our, our theoretical bank here to, to like segment off maybe unsecure, you know, like digital signage that some vendor provides that they don't want anywhere near their 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 corporate traffic and they don't want to rely on like just basic VLAN segmentation. How would how would that that be accomplished? Yeah, so that that will be much simpler and easier and in a more uh, scalable way, right? Because as we mentioned now, uh, we're using VNI to do the network segment, right? So it will be much easier for us to control the traffic 
to uh, specify which VNI will have access to which VNI, right? So as we uh, mentioned earlier, right? So we have, maybe we have some products for data center VXLAN technology and some product for campus network uh, technology, right? For example, like we have ACI for data center, right? If we think, uh, if we look at ACI, uh, ACI for data center, right? We have an EPG, which is the, uh, the endpoint group, right? And we can use contract to easily define the secure access between each EPG group, right? For example, if we have traditional like three-tier application uh, architecture, we have the uh, web server as the front end, we have the application in the middle, and we have a database in the back, right? So we can put easily put these three servers in different EPG and use contract to define which port, which IP address is allows to access to the other tier. But in a traditional data center infrastructure, if we want to achieve this, we may need to insert a physical or logical firewall in between of it, right? And the similar concept apply to the campus network, right? If we look at the uh, DNA solution for campus network, right? With the VXLAN, and we can insert, we can integrate uh, ICE on top of it to achieve very granular a secure access for each like VN, right, virtual network. We can uh, specify, define like which network resource have access to which network resource easily, right, with the uh, VXLAN technology. Ryan? Yeah, so um, I will give a, a small anecdote. Uh, so years ago, I worked for uh, Duke University, right, a large enterprise or uh, uh, educational environment. and. You know, I think a lot of people hear multi-tenancy and they they think uh, data center or, or ISP, but um, that's a situation where we were very much acting like an ISP, right? Uh, so we had a full-scale MPLS network, you know, the same MPLS network that you would see, at a, you know, a small ISP, but this is on a campus that's, you know, supporting 30,000, 40,000 users. Um, and we were doing multi-tenancy, right? So each college within the university uh, actually had its own VRF, right? So we were trying to segment all that traffic down. And just because of the technology, right? Because of MPLS and the, the limitations of our uh, L3 VPN design, um, you couldn't really have that mobility necessarily of, a, of an IP subnet where um, maybe you have uh, a, a camera or something that's located in one building. Well, it doesn't have, it can't have L2 connectivity out unless you start putting in, you know, L2 VPNs at that point. But, um, you know, whereas VXLAN is kind of much more uh, flexible and, yeah, uh, VXLAN is much more flexible in that design where maybe for some reason we do want the capability to, to have a single subnet for a single purpose and it exists in multiple buildings. You know, that is a, a capability now that that VXLAN affords us that, that the MPLS environment didn't, so. Yeah. Well, to summarize, I think the uh, the major two problem the motor tenancy solve is the conflict of the uh, limited resource, for example, VLAN or IP address. The other thing is the logical isolation between different tenants, right? And that's the two major problems that we can solve uh, regarding uh, using the uh, multi-tenancy capability of the VXLAN. Well, and, and, and especially in these larger like campus or, or even enterprise environments, I remember doing some work for a financial institution. I, I was here in Denver and, and somebody was doing a trace route to like a New York office or something like that. And I kid you not, it was 36 hops 
you know, of, of 36 different devices going from my access port all the way out to their, you know, to wherever it was at the other, the other end. And it's like, if you really needed a security camera is, 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 is Ryan's, Ryan's example was like, if you need a security camera on the same subnet in both places, I mean, you could do it, but now you've got to manage all of these, you've, you've got to manage the underlays or I'm sorry, you've got to manage the, 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 the VRF hop by hop across and then figure out how to connect everything back with that VXLAN type technology. And once again, it, no technology is a panacea for everything, but it's like, the thought is, is all right, everything's on the underlay. And then you just, you, you, you enable the overlay wherever you need it. And then it joins it. And so you don't need to, if you have 10 switches in a row and they're all on the same underlay, switch one and switch 10 can participate. You can have, you know, ports that are on that same layer two without having to touch switches two through nine. Right. That's the I think that's like the cool thing about this is that it really gives you that flexibility without having to manage all the you know kind of the squishy middle pieces of it. Or manage MPLS on you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. But but so so actually that's a really good point. Like like all right, so we've talked a bunch about the technology. We've 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 thrown out enough acronyms to to kill an elephant, right? So if I'm there and once again the truck backs up and some brand new 93, 94, 9,500 switches show up, right? So obviously the technology is there that supports VXLAN, but like, what is the training and enablement that my network team needs to do to, to, to be able to do to like actually support it? Any, any thoughts? So this is, this kind of gets to be a, a fun question where there's some underlying things that if you've got the, the knowledge up to start, you're in a good spot. So, I mean, number one, we talked about VLANs already. If you understand how VLANs work, that's, you gotta know that part. Uh, if you're using, again, BGP as a kind of that underlay protocol, if you've got good BGP knowledge done there, multicast is also potentially gonna come into play. So if you got multicast knowledge, you're good there. If, if you're lacking any of those areas, those are gonna be some areas that you might need to, to kind of brush up on. But really, once you've got all of that stuff figured out, layering VXLAN on top of, of those other technologies is relatively easy. It's what's my, you know, here are my VNIs, here's where I'm going. A lot of the config can basically be set up almost in a, an automated fashion of automatically identifying where things go. You can get manual with it, like most protocols, but it's it's relatively straightforward of just, here's my VLAN, here's the the... Uh, VNI that's associated. I think Ryan earlier was mentioning the ability to go like one VLAN gets mapped to a different VLAN somewhere else. So getting that stuff built, but really it's, it's more about having that understanding of the, the core technology. So BGP multicast and just base layer two. So, so you, you've got that, you, you, you get that. So your network team has that core set, right? What about day one operations? Like, is this something where, oh, if I need to put a, because like, what do people understand, right? I mean, not everybody is going to be operating at that like CCNP level, right? You've got layer, you know, you've got maybe tier one, you know, lower tier two help desk that needs to support it. What What do you think it actually like for day one ops? What What do you need to be able to do to like get a port on a VLAN? I think you need to learn how to automate. <laughs> oh, <laughs> buy an automation. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. So, so that's that's. 
yeah, that's one a uh, one approach. Third right? the other, <laughs> yeah, the other approach will be consider the uh, existing uh, VXLAN solution, right? If we talk about the campus network, maybe SDA or like a DNA, right? With the controller, it will make things easier, right? Or the the yeah, the the first approach, as uh, Ryan mentioned, it will be automation, right? Especially in a, in a um, we haven't even mentioned this, but an AnyCast uh, gateway VXLAN deployment, right? You're starting to really build out these configs that can be much larger than a traditional uh, L2 network, right? So, and it's a lot of the same thing on every switch that that needs this this subnet, right? So that's where I was getting at with that that automation is like, okay, doing an L3 gateway config is not hard if you do it once. If you have to do it 50 times, you might hate yourself. Well, and if we, if you're just talking simply like a, you know, that first level engineer that's configuring a port, that yeah. doesn't change. Like you're, you're going to go in and you're going to set your access port and the, the VLAN side of it is all the same. Yeah. It's once that once uh, getting that VLAN to communicate across the VXLAN, but if the VLAN exists, if the, the VXLAN is already configured, you're just adding a port, you add a port. Yeah, and depending so, on the environment, if the configs are the same, it's just copy. It's just mirroring the configs. You know, okay, is the VLAN set? Switch port ID set? Everything set? Okay, good. Ready to rock and roll. So, so it's not like your tier one techs need to go through and like learn how to, you know, basically re, re, <laughs> readjust their worldview just because the the, the underlay is is VXLAN. I would argue maybe they need to learn um, just how to trace where a MAC address or an IP address is within a VXLAN network, but that's a pretty easy, <laughs> easy task to learn, I think. Get into the debate of if that's a layer or a, an L1 engineer or L2 engineer, but yeah, <laughs> like once once you get into that, you're leaving the local L2, the local VLAN, then it it starts to add a little a little bit of complexity because you need to understand the VNIs and VTEPs and a little bit more, but not if if you could figure out MAC address tables and ARP tables and routing tables, adding in the understanding the the VTEPs and the way that it's built out. It's not it's yes, it's something new to learn, but it's not it's not so fundamentally different or weird that it's, you know, impossible. It's if you've got the basics, it's just something to layer over the top. Yeah, I think the day two operation will be more focused on the V type, which is a leaf, right? So the the underlay is already established, right? So I don't expect the layer uh, the uh, day two operation team like focus a lot on the underlay, right? Because underlay already taken care of. So the uh, span may be out of the scope, right? So the the more that they're going to focus on will be the leaf which is the V-type and maybe more and more they will be focused on how to trace the routes, right? What is the, how to find a MAC address, IP address to V-type mapping, right? And how the route distributed across each different V-type and how each V-type can communicate with the peer to exchange the routing information. So, so part of what uh, I, I think Dan, or, or I'm sorry, Ryan mentioned automation, right? Um, so there is a, there's this wealth of automation resource. I'll make sure that we get the link dropped into the into the, the, the show notes. But Cisco has developed and it's it's out there on GitHub uh, in the Cat 9K EVPN uh, repository, basically a full set of infrastructure as code uh, playbooks that anybody can use, just clone the repo. And it will basically take you step by step through 
deploying the underlays, the overlays, the services, everything in 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 a in a VXLAN environment. Uh, so you're not starting at, 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 at zero. But but that also begs another question: is like, okay, right now supply chain still is 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 tough, right? Uh, I mean, switches have long lead times. How can people practice this? How can people just, just get up to speed with 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 VXLAN? Yeah, I want to chime in on this. So there is uh, several resources available, right, about the uh, practice of the VXLAN, right? I believe uh, Cisco DCloud is a very good resource, right? They have some predefined lab, and I, I know that there is also like one specific lab available on DCloud called Vero. So VIRL, right? If uh, if we can like uh, schedule for uh, for that lab, then we can build our own typology and drag in the uh, whatever device we want, right? For example, like Nexus 9K, right? And I connect them and build our own typology and practice with it. And I believe like there's also some uh, good predefined lab for the other VXLAN technologies such as Cisco ACI, Cisco DNA in the Cisco D Cloud. Right, and I think uh, that's a, that's one option. The other option will be the uh, lo local simulator, right? I believe we have a EVENG, right? We can just uh, uh, download the image and start building our uh, own typology from there. Well, and there's CML, so Cisco Modeling Labs, along with EVENG and GNS3. There's a bunch of different tools. There's also the DevNet Sandbox environment where you can go out and just very similar to DCloud, spin up an environment poke around in there. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a, a ton of resources on VXLAN and getting it spun up. So yeah, there's there's a lot you can do with it. Outside that, there's also, because it's an open standard, it doesn't necessarily need to be a Cisco platform. There's, there's other platforms. You mentioned some of the supply chain issues. One of the things that I've seen some companies doing is just like, I just need to get something in and if you're using something like VXLAN because it's open, you could drop really anything that supports it in, work with it, play with it. It's again, open standard. The, the configs might be a little bit different, but the, the overall, what's a VTAP, what's a VNI, how does it work? It, there's a lot of different options to, to start working with it. Maybe pivoting just for a second, because I, I think that, that earlier in the episode, somebody mentioned layer two extension, right? And this is the question that right, right now, everybody, uh, everybody rolls their eyes, but it's the thing that everybody wants to know is, you know, like for years we have preached, I think collectively that, hey, sort of layer two extension across, you know, maybe a WAN or a, a metropolitan fiber backbone is just, it's, it's, it's a bad idea at layer two because of the, 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 like it will work fine until it doesn't, and then everything's a disaster, right? And then we, we talked about like OTV as being sort of a, a, a stopgap for that. I, I'm just kind of curious to get sort of everybody's perspective on, you know, I, I mean, what do, does, does using a, you know, overlay underlay type you know, network uh, topology or, or, or network set of protocols like VXLAN, does that sort of change your perspective on that? I mean, like I said, I think there are just a lot of people that want to drag layer two all over the place, and I, I think we should talk about it. Anybody want to take a shot across the bow? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, <laughs> yeah, in my opinion, it really depends, right? If we talk about the, like a long distance uh, to the two data center far away from each other, right? We have to consider the uh, latency and the jitter, 
like between those two data center, right? But like with uh, VXLAN, like the most scenario that I'm seeing, the issue that is solved is the layer three boundary within the same data center, right? So before the VXLAN, there is like in the same data center, there is a layer three boundary separating like two layer two layer two networks, right? And the customer needs will be how can I like extend the uh, layer two network over the layer three boundary, right? I think within the same data center, right? I think that's a big benefit the uh, VX line can bring to the uh, to the scenario that it will allow us to extend the layer two across the layer two boundary, right? This will help a lot with many applications, with many VMs, right? When we talk about vMotion, when we talk about VM migration, right? And even like when we talk about some application, they're designed to work with each other in a layer two environment, not a layer three, right? Now we the uh, VXLAN, we can extend the uh, layer two network over a layer three infrastructure, right, within the same data center, then it won't be any problem to, uh, to for those applications and the VM migrations. So I, I'm going to kind of echo a good chunk of that. And basically a big part of this comes down to what's, what's the use case or the reason for it. As a general rule, I would say that extending the layer two boundaries you know, across geographical distances, not necessarily a great idea. It, one of those just because you can doesn't mean you should type situations. Oh, but fair enough. There's definitely times where, yeah, this application has to be set up this way. Or, you know, there's there's times where it's a requirement from an, an application or a, a business standpoint. So VXLAN would enable it, but as just a, a general, like, hey, look, I deployed VXLAN. I can put this layer two network everywhere trying to do that is going to be you still have even though the way broadcast work changes a little bit there's we change a bunch of the the layer two kind of operations and the things that are problematic with extending layer two but there's still some drawbacks and there are other ways to solve a lot of those problems where you know why do you need to extend layer two i mean if if you're just doing it because it sounds fun eh, it's not a good enough reason but if you've got a an application or something that that makes it a requirement sure yeah vxlan is uh is at this time i think the least worst bad or least worst way to extend there <laughs> too and and fix well, the application well, and that's the thing though i think that like i think a lot of people struggle with just some of those operational tasks of you know they have a primary and a dr data center right and and they have you know a primary and a secondary internet circuit coming in and they have these firewalls that 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 may or may not have synced configs and may or may not have you know the ability to where it's just difficult for them to kind of maintain two sets of infrastructure for primary and dr and i think that's sort of like i mean i think that it can be looked at like one of the one of the use cases that that we've had some conversations with with some clients about is being able to run their firewalls between their two data centers now granted this is in the same you know physical this is less than 50 milliseconds of, of round trip latency but being able to turn their 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 edge uh, uh firewalls from the the like sort of cluster one cluster two to a unified cluster that can maintain a single policy there, there's definitely some drawbacks in that you know sort of you have no flexibility in the event if you need to like peel off something but for sort of the majority of operations it it seems like it solves some 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 of the 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 just day-to-day -day operational challenges any of you guys having those same types of discussions or or any any other use cases that that 
that anybody can think of as far as like where corner cases where where VX land may be a maybe a solution. I guarantee you somebody's going to take this podcast and go to their boss and be like, we can stretch layer two. <laughs> so I, I will caution about data center to data center kind of layer two, right? So if, if you think about it from a routing perspective, we're talking a lot about, um, uh, you know, okay, layer two can stretch, sure, great. But if you think about outside of that VXLAN fabric, right? So you, you're, you've got traffic coming in. If that host is no longer in that data center, is in data center two over here, it's got to tra traverse that DCI link, go to whatever that host is and come back and then go out through that firewall and out, you know, where it originated from, right? So um, yes, you can stretch layer two, but it's it, not everything is hunky-dory and, and amazing because because you stretch that that layer two fabric over there. It, it, I, I saw this, uh, I, I, I saw um, a solution to that. We, we, well, I, I'm uh, air quote solution to that, which is you <laughs> advertise slash 32s, right? So you advertise host routes, right? And which is really interesting because the minute anything vMotion, your entire routing table reconverges like out to your WAN. It's like, yes. well, that, that is a solution. Yes. You that know. is a solution. <laughs> everything, uh, you, everything you get to a... determine whether or not that's a good solution. <laughs> exactly. This, this gets back to that least worst bad solution thing of like, can you? Yes. Should you? Eh. Well, no, it, 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 it's, it, it definitely is. Uh, I think it's just another tool in the toolbox, right? It gives yes. it gives organizations flexibility. It's something that that people probably already have, and that we can, you know, that they they can be leveraged and and probably should be because once again, I mean, I th I think just sort of when it's done right and in the same sort of physical ge physical geography, I think there's a lot of benefits to the to to doing you know, basically taking on the technical debt of VXLAN yeah. compared to spanning tree just because of what it what it buys you from a stability perspective right i You're think it's like about looping yeah. up ports <laughs> i think it's like everything else the pros and cons right you got to like checks and balances and weigh in it out because again like to piggy off piggyback off what dan said you know you're sitting there like yeah could you do it yeah maybe but should you eh. because you never know right and it's going to sit there and it's going to you got to weigh it out and see if it's really going to be beneficial for you or if it's going to be something that's going to be a pain in your butt in the long run I think it should be really driven by the business need, right? Yeah. If we have a issue with scalability, or we need, we really need that multi-tenancy, right? It is a tool, it is an approach that we can solve that business need, where we can meet that business need, right? But if we don't have that business need, like we're far, like we're far below using the 4,000 VLAN, right? Then it is we should think carefully if we should upgrade to a VXLAN or migrate to VXLAN. I'm actually happy that you guys brought that up because that's one of the things I was just going to ask is there's there's invariably somebody that's listening to this with like one switch and five users that's like VXLAN. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want to, go for it by all means. But it's also what value are you going to get out of it? If, if the scalability isn't a problem you're solving, if you know, the, we've talked about a bunch of different things that uh, that you can benefit from by using VXLAN. But it, at the end of the day, it still does add complexity. There is still some extra overhead. You've got overlays and underlays. You've got all these things that are running that are are new, and they're it's not it's not too terrible to manage. But it's it's finding it's striking the balance between where's the benefit that you're getting from it and the overhead that you're taking on and. Again, it's it's a tool that's available. It's not going to be the the panacea solution. It's not going to be the best thing in every case. 
but it's something to know that it's out there. You can use it in the right situations. If you're running into a problem that VXLAN could solve, now you know where to look. Don't let good technology enable bad design. <laughs> Ooh, exactly. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm saying that's like that a pro tip right there at the end. <laughs> I like that. Okay, good conversation. Nicely done. All right, to our listeners, um, we have compiled some helpful resources, hopefully. Um, you can check those out in the show notes below. And of course, don't forget, subscribe, please, um, or follow us on your favorite streaming platform so you receive alerts on our latest releases. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. We'll see you next Tuesday.